0: Hi, everybody, and welcome to Coach's Corner. I am so excited to bring you this episode because one, my husband joins me and he hasn't been on in a while. And two, we are talking about my favorite topic, something I'm so passionate about, so committed to inner child healing and inner child work, what the inner child is, why it matters, how it impacts us. And as we were thinking last year about what do we really want to do in 2024? And specifically, what do I really feel passionate about, especially after being nearly two years into my motherhood journey? And the answer was crystal clear, inner child work. I cannot stress how important inner child healing, liberation, awareness is. If you listen to the show for a while, you know that Ninety-nine percent of the calls go back to childhood. I can trace most anything that's happening in current day back to childhood. It is paramount to our personal development, and I'm also seeing being a mother how beautiful and exquisite childhood is. You know, having a front row seat to a human's development and seeing her preciousness, her creativity, her joy, her confidence, her expression, her freedom, her liberation. It is so inspiring and reminds me of every human being's birthright. It's every human being's birthright to be in our full awakened, authentic self and to have joy, to be joy, to be in joy. And I really want to help you reconnect to that part of you because it's in there. I promise. I want to invite you to a three-day free workshop. Steph and I are going to be hosting. And it's over the course of three days, but it's only about 60 to 90 minutes a day. So you don't have to block off three whole days. It's called Journey to Joy. It's February 6th through 8th at 4 p.m. Central. And we are going to be walking you through how to reconnect that inner child or connect deeper if you already feel like you have a connection, awaken that joy and really step into being fully you. Because I know there's a lot of you walking around with masks on, with protective layers, with coping strategies, and you're actually not really living your best life. I look at my daughter every day and go, wow, like you're living your best life. Of course, we have our off days, and Steph and I aren't perfect. You'll hear a little bit about that in today's episode. For the most part, we are doing our best to cultivate a safe and loving and joyful home for her where she can just be her. And every child deserves that. And it's my personal mission to help every grown up create that for themselves and their inner child so that every parent and future parent can create that for their children. Because from my point of view, that's the only way the world's going to change. So I hope you enjoy this conversation between my husband and I. We cover a lot of ground and this is just the beginning. So be sure to register for that free three-day event, christinehasser.com slash joy, February 6th, 7th, 8th, and it will be recorded if you can't make us live. So christinehasser.com slash joy. Before we dive in, I want to thank my sponsor for this episode. You know, one of the ways that we take care of our inner child is we take care of ourselves. I love Organifi. They're a line of organic superfood blends that offer plant-based nutrition with high quality ingredients and less than three grams of sugar. They are on a mission to unite the world through health and happiness by providing access to high quality nutrition, education, and community. Organifi is more than a superfood company. I have my relationship with Organifi because I'm friends with its co-founder and met him through the whole personal development world. He's actually been on the show many years ago, I think back in 2017 maybe, his name is Drew Cannoli. Anyway, I know that the mission of this company is to help people make every aspect of their life better. They only use the highest quality plant-based ingredients, super convenient and great tasting. Some of my favorites are their green juice, their red juice, and their gold blend. I have one of those things every single day and it makes a huge difference in my life so you can get 20% off all your Organifi products when you go to Organifi.com slash over it or use promo code over it at checkout. And that's not just 20% off your first order. It's 20% off all orders. Organifi.com, O-R-G-A-N-I-F-I.com slash over it. All right. Now on to my conversation with my husband, Stefano Savandosa.
1: G'day. <laughs> <laughs> you better keep that. Uh,
0: I will keep oh, it. Good. I will keep it. It's been a while since we've done a podcast together.
1: Yeah, it has. It's I been mean, a while since I said g'day to you. It
0: has been. To call me mate? I think it's been... Oh, I was looking for that clip. Oh, you want it? Oh, no. It's supposed to be in Athena's room. Oh no.
1: I forgot it in my pocket.
0: Oh, Lord. I was looking for it yesterday. I think the last time we did a podcast together was telling Athena's birth story. Oh, was that long ago? Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. Yeah, now she's nearly oh, two. That's cute. I know. Oh, she's oh my so god, she goes by so fast. Yeah. <sighs> well, too fast. I know. Well, and she has really reinvigorated our passion for inner child work, hasn't she? She most certainly has Oof, in all the ways. In all the ways, and that's what we're here to talk about <laughs> today, including the
1: challenging ways for yeah. us for her yeah. <laughs> for us internally.
0: Yeah. Internally as a parent, as a person with an inner child, I mean, there's so many layers to inner child work and you and I have always been very passionate about it. I'd say for myself, and you can give the percentage for you, 99, even 0.99% of every person I coach, any issue, it always comes back to childhood.
1: Yeah. Pretty much a, that's always. That's a fairly accurate statistic. I'd say hundred percent.
0: Yeah. Definitely. I mean, yeah. maybe there's that little bit where it's, yeah. you know, not, but so much of it comes back to childhood, even if someone's like, oh, no, my current issues are because of the damaging relationship I had in my 20s. Well, there might have been something from childhood that even drew that in.
1: Yeah, it's the it's choices that we make as adults are influenced by the imprints that we experience as children.
0: Yeah. That's
1: been very true for me. That's for sure. I can track that back easily.
0: Yeah, easily with our own lives and with the people we work with.
1: Yeah, that's what I was referring to largely for my own life because obviously- I'm most intimate with my own life. <laughs> but, yes, with others as well, it doesn't take that long to mm-hmm. – once you, once we understand the inner child, we were talking about this earlier, once we really grasp it, the access it gives us to just more of life, it's, it's, it's outstanding and phenomenal.
0: Well, and having a little one right now, and especially as she's in toddlerhood right now and really coming into who she is, just seeing how precious childhood is, how oh, precious, innocent. how innocent, how pure – how there's so much freedom of emotion and expression, Mm. how there's so much joy, so much presence, so much authenticity. There aren't the barriers.
1: Yeah, they're in pure exploration. It has has a little nose. No, 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 no. (laughs) But even even that is having me think about my own life. As a a kid, I, I didn't have the confidence whether it be at her age or, or especially later where where I remember more I didn't have the confidence to say no yeah. I didn't I didn't have the safe environment to be able to say no and and not it be a risk to my well-being and life Yeah
0: And we're seeing firsthand how much we as her parents impact her Oh man it is the guilt it oh my gosh guilt shame <laughs> regret I I sometimes my one of my favorite sayings i think i was the first person that said this i don't know ever who knows the I'm, 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 I'm 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 taking credit for it but maybe <laughs> not but that that ignorance is bliss and awareness is a bitch have you heard it before uh, me i've never heard you say that little lady <laughs> <laughs> well i've said it and i'm saying it again and i swear having the awareness we have about everything because we are I would say our area of expertise is in developmental trauma mm. and inner child. And then having a child. And being cool, that's an area of expertise for I, I, me. You're way more of an expert <laughs> of it than I am.
1: And I'm purely speaking for myself.
0: <laughs> <laughs> clearly. Clearly. Well, I must be somewhat cool if I yeah, am with of course. you. Yeah, cool, yeah Am yeah. I cool but, by association?
1: And by default. By default. Yeah.
0: Wow. <laughs> Really, propping treat, me up. Treat,
1: triggering any of you little a childhood. <laughs> i mean, We're purposely doing this. No,
0: I mean, just okay. reinforcing. Of course, you're cool. Yeah, course thank, you're cool. You, thank you. Yeah. Thank you. I believe it now. I believe it now. It's true. I never fit in with the cool kids, but I believe it now. That, that,
1: but that's why you're cool. Well, oh, I didn't feel well, cool the, back then. Let the paradox just settle for a second. Yeah.
0: Shh. <laughs> I'm letting it settle. <laughs>
1: <laughs> i'm like are you upset or
0: are you, no i still can't read you bad. after
1: five years no. <laughs> no i'm joking i mean no that's true but it's also not all right there's some lesson in that though around for what me. you said no, no 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 not for you i think for uh, people listening around what you just shared uh, around the, the cool kid thing and that's part of that inner child work mm. you know it's an experience that you had when you were younger and i can relate to that myself yeah. very much and it shaped who you, were, who you were. Oh, absolutely.
0: I, I built a whole, whole career <laughs> in, in Hollywood trying to prove myself. Mm. I got straight A's and, and stressed myself out so much in school because since I didn't fit in and belonging is a survival strategy yeah, and a survival need, like... I didn't fit in. I needed to feel like I had some kind of identity, mm. some kind of, so I fit in with the teachers and I fit in with the mm. academics and, yeah. And yeah, well, we'll dive into all that. I want to finish my, my train of thought, which was about how raising a child with the awareness we have mm-hmm. is a blessing and a burden mm-hmm. because it's like, oh my gosh, we're so aware of all the ways we're messing her up. Mm-hmm. And we had a recent thing where she had that rash. Remember her rash? Kiss very clear. Oh Lord, this rash all over her body. Now it wasn't impacting her. She wasn't scratching it. She wasn't impacting her sleep. Maybe once a day, she just maybe kind of yeah, she, yeah. Bit. That's it. Nothing. But it started on her leg and went over her whole body. And we tried the creams. We had different specialists look at it. Nobody could figure it out. Everybody's like it's eczema, but it doesn't look like eczema. So we're going to call it eczema, even though it's not. We took her to the doctor, which she'd never even been to a doctor before this. And then, what did it turn out to be? <laughs>
1: I mean, I can. I don't know what it turned out to be, but I can tell you the sequence of events. Okay. Which obviously you know because you were there, and then we can let others decide. But here's the the uncanny coincidence or synchronicity. As that was happening, both of us were in our own internal process, reflecting on, and in, you know, my projections. Poor baby, like you said, she was fine. Yeah. Really. Yeah. But we were reflecting on, okay, what is this? And you know, once we got through that. The, the the where we arrived yeah. was and there was some conflict between you and I but it wasn't heavy conflict it was it, just difficult
0: it was conflict that wasn't being addressed Co- so it was like a splinter that was just like sitting there and no one was getting it out.
1: Yeah, so I was that. That's that's what that was underneath the. Conf- I should say the confrontation wasn't intense, right? It, but it was it was big, and it was big enough to shift stuff. And the conclusion that we arrived at was that the suppressed stuff that we were experiencing mm-hmm. and the unspoken things that that were happening between us was impacting our little empathetic. Yep. Child, right? yeah And all and, children are
0: empathetic. P.S.
1: Yeah, of course. And she's she. I think she's uh an hsp again oh, for my sure. projections but i mean look at her mother <laughs> yeah <laughs> that, that that's my assessment and and more so you know i think when we both said enough is enough yeah and it was a it was a, it was a powerful moment. moment, it was a powerful moment we had moment. a huge shift and and you you led that and i really received that and i experienced you in a way i haven't experienced you i think for years mm-hmm. in terms of the genuine hey Steph, clean slate I need to let this go. I am letting it go. What's your commitment? And and I was in the initial response or reaction was no, I don't trust you. And I don't, I don't, I don't think you can. But within seconds, I felt something very different mm-hmm. from you mm-hmm. and it allowed me to soften. And it was the entry point for us to have the communication that we weren't having and to say the things that we weren't saying from a place of Not feeling threatened, not feeling scared of the repercussions, and not actually going, Here we go again. If I'm going to say this thing, it's just going to be a big conflict. But we could say the 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 same
0: pattern loop of argument. We could
1: say the thing that we needed to say without the other being reactive and triggered. And let's be real, within 24 24 hours, 48 hours, maybe, it not completely cleared, but
0: started going away. And and by like, Five days, completely gone. It was a dramatic, and we
1: still. This was what, two months ago,
0: around Thanksgiving. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. So it was Two months, so, yeah, nearly yeah. two months ago. Uh, we uh, are still on that path. It was a massive, over shift. the hump moment for yeah. us. Yeah. And what was happening though was, and I want to bring it back to you in a child for a second. For me, absolutely right. Was you gave the part of me space and permission to feel safe without feeling judged for what I was thinking by saying, I, I, and this was genuine, of course, it was authentic, is I want a clean slate. I'm willing to do whatever it takes. I don't want our daughter to suffer. And I just had a big realisation. And what you did for me and what you did for that part of me that always felt judged as a kid right. and always felt contracted and constricted as a kid and felt uh, abused to some extent but but really critiqued or criticised, you, you gave that part of me an opportunity to not feel that with you, yeah. and to come out and be more open and real, and it was, and, and then we could be vulnerable with each other, yeah. with, without the 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 fear of, oh, this is going to threaten our well being, this is going to, um, she's not going to receive this well, right?
0: Right? Yeah. It was. It was. Is huge. And for me, what happened for me, I remember exactly where we are around that little deck in our neighborhood, looking at the fountain, yeah. Yeah. and I was looking I at Athena's precious face, and she was so oh. fascinated by this, like. <laughs> Piddly kind of fountain thing. We, I was piddly. angry at you this morning. Oh, we you were, were so we angry. Were so, we were not in a good place. No, like we were
1: walking and I was just so doing. You were stewing. You had, yeah. your,
0: you had your face. I wanted
1: to say a billion things. Oh, yeah. It was
0: bad. And I just remember being there and looking at our precious little girl, looking at this fountain and looking at you with this, like, I hate my – you had your – I call it your I hate my life face. Yeah, that's
1: how I was feeling. Mm-hmm. But, yeah.
0: And, And then I I actually fell into my little girl and she was saying to me, please handle this. Please be the matriarch. Because Mm. I was being a wounded little child and all I wanted my whole life was for my parents to be happy.
1: Mm.
0: And I invested so much time and energy into trying to make that happen. Mm. And I was like, oh my gosh, I am recreating on some level a painful experience from my childhood to my own daughter. Like, when am I going to step up and not just take care of her, but take care of my inner child who so, so wants to be in, be in a happy marriage and a happy family and just that joy. To have that. Yes.
1: Experience that through her primary caregivers.
0: Exactly. And it was like a huge, like, boom, generational Mm -hmm. pattern break, um, really stepping into being the matriarch, not just to Athena, but to me. And- so this is why inner child work is so layered, especially if you're a parent, because oh. you have your child that's triggering all your childhood stuff, and then you have your own inner child. And even if you're not a parent, if you're in relationship, holy moly, so many people think it's masculine and feminine polarity that's out of balance, when really it's actually wounded inner children at play.
1: That's what, I, I we believe that that's what is largely responsible for the imbalance in polarity.
0: Right. Right. And we can, I want to bookmark that. Cause I want to come back to that. Cause I sure. think so many people go to couples counseling and buy courses and do Tantra to try to get the polarity back, but it, it never works if you don't deal with root of the inner child. So what I have seen before I became a mom, you know, and especially since I've become a mom, and this is very pr- prominent in women. It's probably happens for men too. But when women especially become a parent, they even further neglect their inner child. They try to overcompensate and give their child or children everything they didn't get Mm. at a child, all the while neglecting their own inner child who then feels even more abandoned by them and jealous of their own children. So we've got this inner child going, wait a second, you're giving all this love to these children and that's great, but what about me? I mean, if I could give Uh, like dialogue to most people's inner child. Like if I put a caption above most people's inner child, it would say, what about me? Mm. When am I going to feel safe? Mm. When am I going to feel loved? When am I going to feel worthy? Who's taking care of me? That what about me feeling leaves Mm. so many inner children feeling neglected and abandoned.
1: There's a song Shannon Noll sings, Australian Idol Winner. I don't know, 20 years ago or something, What About Me.
0: Oh, really? Yeah. Is it about the inner child?
1: No, not really. It's about the um just the unheard, unseen person that or kid that, yeah. that that wants to be seen, that works hard, that does the thing, that just doesn't get the recognition and doesn't wow. get the attention. Wow. Yeah. It's a really I popular have to a put the song
0: on the end of the podcast. I don't know yeah. if legal I can do that. Check yeah. into it and see. Yeah,
1: it's, it's, you know, it reminds me of what you were just sharing then as well. <clears throat> just to give a sort of tangible example to that. Around how our wounds permeate and they perpetuate into adulthood, and if they're left unchecked, there's you know a friend of ours who's a beautiful father and a beautiful human. He experienced so much physical abuse growing up from his father, and now with his children, he he won't lay a hand on them, which I commend that and I agree with that. I don't think mm-hmm. I experienced a lot of violence from both my parents, physical violence against me, especially my father. So I'm in alignment with that. But he's gone so extreme as a parent where he just sets no boundaries for his child or for mm-hmm. his children, right, zero boundaries because he's just, he's just so against that that he's gone the other way and he hasn't really dealt with mm-hmm. that within himself right. yet, with that little boy that was so hurt. And so he can't even set healthy boundaries with his children, right. which is a, a
0: shame in some regard as well. I know what you're talking about. And I remember we were at a big group dinner and that little boy was there and he was running around we were all sitting at a table and he's running around and behind each person, he was kind of screaming in our ear and everybody was just allowing this to happen. And I wasn't a mom yet, but I, you know, have coached people for a while and I know about development and the psychological stages and the psychosocial stages and know the importance of boundaries, especially for a kid that age. I think he was around five at that time. And next time he came around to me, I just turned around and gently said, I really don't like you screaming in my ear. And I'd like you to stop doing that, please. Mm And he just kind of stopped dead in his tracks because no one like had ever spoken to him. Like, who who knows if anyone had spoken to him like that. And he kept running around, he skipped me. (laughs) And then later he made sure I had popcorn, I had ice cream. He was like my best friend the rest of the night because I was the adult who was like, there's some boundaries here and I got you. And so I feel like so many children they either get codependence and enmeshment or are, are, are parentified or they're beaten, they're neglected, yeah. they're uh, sexually abused, they're, you know, and so we've got these two categories of like really codependent, enmeshed inner children who are parentified. And then we've got the neglected, abandoned, abused. Sometimes it's a little bit of both. And then we grow up to be adults and hear, well, the past is in the past. And wonder why our relationships are struggling. Wonder why, the same, same yeah, unhealthy choices. Same unhealthy choices. Our finances aren't where we want them to be. We Addictions, can't step into our purpose. Yeah,
1: all those yeah, low self worth, just feeling shit every day, just not not feeling alive, not feeling vibrancy. Uh, I experienced so much of that. You said, you know, both. It's, it's either that or both. I'm like, yeah, yeah, it was both for me yeah, as well, yeah. which is which is such a it provides such a sense of disorganization and. You know, we, we take that into our adult relationships and our adult lives and we don't tend to the wounded parts of ourselves. Yeah. So I see that time and time again.
0: Yeah. Well, and I think it's important for us to talk about what inner child work really is. because I think a lot of people think that just going to therapy and talking about their childhood and having an understanding of, mm-hmm. okay, well, my father abandoned me when I was five years old and that's why I don't trust people, especially men. Okay, I can connect the dots, but that awareness isn't enough to actually shift it. Mm. So let's talk about like what actually shifts what actually shifts us in terms of inner child work. Like what do we have to do to actually create a change?
1: Yeah, so I think firstly we need to feel we need to feel safe enough, emotionally and relationally safe enough to speak about it, to to address it. And so we need people that can see us, that are nonjudgmental, that are compassionate, whether it's a therapist, a coach or a friend or a support group of sorts. And we have to take ownership or rather we have to take radical responsibility of, hey, something's not really working in my life. Mm -hmm. I I wonder what it is. So we've got to meet ourselves with curiosity and then allow others to meet us with curiosity in safe spaces. Mm -hmm. So to me that's always a starting point. And then from there we learn to regulate our nervous system because – If you've experienced trauma, if you've experienced abuse or neglect or distance in in your childhood or bullying or just not feeling enough, grew up in poverty or whatever the Mm -hmm. the little T or big T trauma is, there's going to be a part of you that is very resistant to exploring that, of course. And there's also a part of you that's holding all that stuff in. Often as kids, and I was sharing this with a client this morning, who has experienced severe abuse. He, his father came in in the middle of the night when he chose to live with his mother when he was five years old and basically kidnapped him just to spite his mother. And he didn't know Oof. who his father was. And so he's so scared and he's lived his whole life under pressure. He's his whole life in pain, mm-hmm. right? And so pressure for him is what, A, he identifies with, his worthiness, his value, but also is very familiar to him. And so that stuff stuck in his body. Yeah. When his father was beating him and, and reciting um, biblical verses to him, he couldn't fight. Because yeah. he was so small, he couldn't f- a flight. He couldn't leave, right. and so that energy stuck in the body. And so I'm, I'll, I'll pause here after this because this is the big part of it for me, as you know, is the somatic release. Yeah, you know when an antelope yeah. is in the wild and it escapes its predator. It finds a quiet place, it lays down, it shakes. Mm-hmm. It releases the, the hormonal dump that it had and it moves on with its day. We don't do that as humans. We psychologically compress and compress yeah. and
0: pressurize. Yeah, and just go into survival patterns. And we, ha-
1: we have to move that energy. And, again, you have to establish safety and consistency in that safety to then be able to release and have those – those. Uh, that, and that's part of inner child work. For yeah.
0: Me. No, the yeah. somatic thing is huge because – and we talk about this at our retreats. I talk about it in my women's retreat. We talk about an elementum that – we don't wanna go back and relive trauma, no. but a huge part of inner child work is actually going back to the experience and allowing the feelings that, that never funny. got to feel. Like I think back to traumatic moments from my childhood and I had to just freeze. Yeah. I just had to hold it all in and freeze and survive. And so a big part of my healing was not necessarily reliving the trauma, but releasing those feelings, releasing the tears, releasing the fear, releasing the anger somatically in a healthy way, so that that inner child felt liberated and wasn't carrying that burden because those repressed feelings energetically, they weigh us down, but they also psychologically affect us in such huge ways. Mm. So some of the things that, that we see when someone has inner child wounding and Everybody has inner child stuff. Let's just be. Let's just be yeah. direct. You
1: don't have to call it. A Everybody word. You just does. Call it a, a pattern. Just yeah, just simple just pattern. Childhood. Yeah, that you just don't really want it to play out anymore as an adult.
0: Yeah. So some of the things we see are anxiety, mm. overwhelm, mm. imposter syndrome, also like really having trouble getting finances and life in order because often there's a frozen inner child and you might be 35 but there's still an eight year old really running the show because yeah. you something happened a trauma happened and you basically got frozen at that age and so chronologically you may be an age but a certain part of you psychologically and emotionally yeah. isn't yeah that the age.
1: confusing thing is is that consciously so oh we want wealth and we want stability and we, we want right. all these things and we're very clear on that but unconsciously, which is the, the, the iceberg effect, that, that's what's making the decisions. That's what's yep. driving you towards the choices that you don't want. And that's, that is unconscious. And a lot of that is driven by or through our, our experiences in our formative years.
0: Yeah. And the inner child is deeply connected to the subconscious mind. Yeah. I mean, I would venture to say that the inner child and the subconscious mind are, are one and the body. So the inner child yeah. speaks to us through the subconscious mind and the body as well. Yeah. And so it's a huge part of why we do what we do yeah yeah you
1: know, I got a question for you and before I ask you a question um, on how it shows up as adults specifically in the in the realm of relationship I just want to make a note on something I think that it's it's very interesting to me that when you make the psychosomatic connection so let me actually go back. It's interesting, and my understanding is is that when we have a hormonal dump when we're in a sympathetic nervous system response, so when we're, you know, essentially in survival mode, right, when our brain switched on for survival mode, our amygdalas activated, our body's just, there's hormone dumps. The specificity, the specific reasons of those hormone dumps is to animate our body, right, Mm -hmm. is to move, is to fight, flight, or freeze, not really, it's more fight or flight. It's either fight to get out and so you're moving your arms you're, you're mm-hmm. running or, or you flight to get out you're running away you get away you crawl away whatever and when we feel paralyzed we don't have that opportunity to to match the hormone dump with right. a, a physical animation and that's a lot of the stuckness right and so mm-hmm. when we make the psychosomatic connection with the storytelling and the, the, the understanding of that and then we give it physical release it's a powerful combination huge and,
0: and so and then yeah. a child finally feels seen
1: and feels and feels free and safe, yeah. right? So the que- but the question back to the question I, uh, I want to ask you and, and just your thoughts on this is is what do you what do you see in a, a wounded inner child or the part of our psyche that's fractured still and making those decisions from a scared place and an immature place or an unknown place? How does it show up in in relationship in the different ways in intimacy as adults? And, and sex as well, sexuality.
0: Oh my gosh, I'm going to answer that question. I just want to say something before you go on about sympathetic versus parasympathetic nervous system. So for so many years, I could not remember what the difference was. <sighs> I could not remember that sympathetic was the it's an arousal activated and the parasympathetic was rest and digest. And you know how I finally made myself remember it? Parasympathetic sounds like parent and as children we can't regulate ourselves and Mm. so really it's our parents job Mm. to make us feel safe Mm. to help us regulate to get to that place of rest and digestion if you think of a parent rocking a baby on a chair it it soothes the the nervous system so that's how i finally remember the difference is the parasympathetic is the parent to the nervous system Um, Okay. So how inner child shows up in relationship. Well, this circles back to what we bookmarked in terms of that masculine Mm -hmm. feminine polarity. Mm -hmm. So everything from who we pick to how we're attracted to someone to how we communicate in relationship. So I think everyone can, everyone listening can think of a person they've been attracted to, dated, potentially married and go, oh, wow, that was my mom Mm -hmm. or that was my dad you know, that emotionally shut down, unavailable person. Oh, that was my dad. And I was, because as adults, until we really heal and liberate the inner child and and understand our inner child, the inner child is consistently seeking out similar feeling people and situations to have the experience they want. In other words, I'm going to be attracted to, if I'm a heterosexual woman, I'm going to be attracted to a man who, if I've unprocessed stuff with my dad, who is like him because the inner child is going to be like, oh, maybe I'll finally get from my dad what I didn't get from this guy. He seems kind of alike. That'll do. And this is subconsciously going on. And the, the greater the physical attraction, the greater the likelihood that it's an inner child wound <laughs> bringing us yeah, the to The more them. intense the physical attraction, The more attraction, intense, right? yes. The yeah. more it's like a drug.
1: The the more extreme the intensity, like the, the, yeah. the the ebbs and flows or the peaks and troughs are... When there's more more distance between them, more than likely it's being driven by something that's unconscious. Yep. And more than likely it's a it's a childhood afflictional wound.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. What
1: what about um you know t- attachment styles are really big these days and and I think that it's very valuable. But I know you know you go very deep into this as well. How do you think you know when we look at secure, insecure, avoidant, and, and um, disorganized? How do you feel that? lends itself I mean because yeah. that's sort of develop from a young age as well right?
0: yeah well there's two two basically two attachments secure and insecure yeah. and within insecure there's avoidant anxious and disorganized yeah and I've done podcasts on this. We, I teach this in Elementum. What I see, and I'm sure you do too, babe, is, is someone with an anxious attachment style is going to be attracted to someone with an avoidant attachment More style. Not, yeah. Disorganized tend to be attracted to disorganized or anxious can be attracted to disorganized. But insecure attachments tend to attract each other, whereas secure attachments tend to attract each other. And our attachment style, it's not – it's it's constantly – um or i guess consistently can change like i feel very securely attached and feel like i can be in that but there are moments in our relationship where i can dip into insecure attachment and my insecure attachment is anxious yeah. where yours is more avoidant or even disorganized at times i think
1: uh, dis- yeah disorganized yeah. Which, which is really a combination of uh, anxious and avoidant right and, exactly yeah.
0: right exactly and
1: so it's disorganized
0: it's like a come here go away yeah. type of energy yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah,
1: You know, it's, it's interesting what you just shared then um, around how th- there'll be times where you'll feel uh, maybe anxious or you'll, you'll, you'll dip into insecure attachment style. Mm-hmm. And, and I think the, the, the way that we show up habitually to each other and we use our, our relationship as an example, if I'm consistently doing things or taking actions that you perceive as unsafe – and there's no remedy to that, and there's no bridge that's being built in mm-hmm. that in relationship, yeah. you'll dip more into the insecure. I will. Yeah. Yep. And likewise, right? Like I'm just using you and I as an example. No, I but think it's
0: great. And how we move out of that and go more of the secure the is inner child work.
1: Big, big part of that, and is not only the awareness work around that, but the practices around that right. as well. Like being, being committed to practices within yourself as an individual, that's important. Right. And if you're in a couple of them, within the couple as well.
0: Because if you don't actually deal with the inner child and you just try to keep working on the relationship, it actually just makes things worse. And this is why in our couple sessions, when we coach couples, we coach them together. And then we also coach them individually. We won't take a couple unless they're doing one-on-one work with us as well, because we want to do that deep inner child work individually with both. Because otherwise their inner child, they just keep pinging off each other. Yeah. And this can happen in friendships, it can happen in workplace environments. We cannot tell you how much you your inner child is activated and you aren't actually the age you are. You're actually coming from another place. So yeah. to go back to your question on how it can affect relationships, you get into the same argument mm. time and it's time repetitive. again, repetitive because when that inner child is activated, it's it's consistently wanting what it didn't get from childhood so it will keep going into those same patterns just like it will keep dating the same person with a different face it'll keep going and doing the same thing over and over again you
1: know another one i see is the testing Oh, yeah. And that, so you're testing your partner's love or care or affection or commitment or whatever it may be, mm-hmm. right? And on commitment I see fear of abandonment, fear of commitment, fear of rejection, uh, you know, fear of loss. Those core fears really coming through to the surface in relationship that, that right. dictate behavior. So if you have a fear of abandonment, you're going to cling and behave in a particular way. If you have a fear Absolutely. of rejection, you're going to shut yourself down and not say the things that you think the other person may feel offended by or triggered by yeah. or whatever. So you're Wearing masks essentially.
0: Absolutely. But back
1: to the testing piece, and I see this so much, I know you do too, is you, you're going to test your partner, test your partner, test your partner, and push them, and a big blow up happens. And then you're
0: like, see, I was right.
1: Yeah, that, and then massive <laughs> makeup sex. So it's yeah. this fight, fuck, I call it yeah. fight, fuck paradigm, right? Yeah. Where you have to fight to be connected because you have to have this very low low to feel the high high. Mm-hmm. And and that's an affliction of childhood. The extremity yeah. that you witness as, as a child, the pain that you experience as a child that's unresolved, the, the volatility, the violence, but the volatility, that's the inconsistency and it plays out in relationships.
0: Massively, massively. And the testing and the collecting evidence of all the reasons your partner's wrong and basically it's like your parents who we weren't there for you. Right. And it's, it's again, this is all very subconscious thing. So when we actually, well, let me back up. Someone asked me on a podcast interview, I've been asked this quite a bit. How would I define personal development or how would I define my work? And my shortest answer is reparenting. Mm. Like personal development is reparenting. It's giving yourself everything you didn't get from childhood. Mm. and. Uh, everything from what we said about like actually being able to feel the feelings you never got to feel and express the emotions you never got to express and giving yourself the joy, the peace, the safety, the freedom, everything that you didn't get. So it really is a reparenting process. Mm -hmm. And when inner childhood, when inner child work is left out of personal development, I find people can only go so far, you know? And I think sometimes it's it's (laughs) dangerous to go into things like you know, extreme meditation or especially plant medicine or any of that, that, that realm when you haven't done that inner child work, because without, when you do inner child work, you're basically lessening your fractured experience.
1: Yeah. I was going to say, you're creating, you're creating more stability in your own psyche to prepare you for Anything such as plant medicine, which I'm an advocate for as a you under very specific conditions and I won't go into a diatribe around that, but something like plant medicine that, that really boots you out of your familiar states of consciousness very quickly and very often very abruptly if you are not settled in your nervous system and your psyche back yeah. to learning how to regulate yourself, it can be a very tumultuous, turbulent, traumatic experience yes. and you're re-traumatizing yourself.
0: Yes. I want to emphasize I'm only an advocate in very specific situations. <laughs> very specific. Yeah. And yeah,
1: no, I'm, I'm the same as well. I, I have a very strong opinion on this. Yeah. I'm yeah. probably a little judgmental in the so many another,
0: cases. Oh, no, I think it's, for me, it's just protective. My mama bear comes out because I think I find so many people are in so much pain and are looking for the quick fix.
1: Yeah. It's a, it's a product of our society. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, uh, it's a, it's a tough one.
0: Yeah. yeah. And the, and, and I'm not saying that, you know, in order to grow, it has to be this long, laborious, you're no, working no. on yourself for 30 years, but it is about being thorough. And to me, inner child work is one of the most thorough pieces of work we can do. It's about being slow as well. Yeah.
1: Like methodically slow, slow is smooth, smooth is fast. You know, mm-hmm. you hear me say that often. And I, and I, I truly, truly believe that.
0: I want to go back to what we said about masculine, and feminine, because this mm-hmm. is a huge point and something I, you know, really want to beat the drum on. Beat it. So I, cause you and I've been interviewed about masculine, feminine, polarity and all that kind of stuff. And, you know, I've had those conversations and teach about it. We teach about masculine, feminine, be the, be the queen. But what we do first is the inner child work because mm-hmm. so many women, let's just look at heterosexual relationships because that's what the dynamic we're in. But this can really be any relationship because in any relationship, someone's got to hold one pole and someone's got to hold the other in order for there to be attraction. But what we see consistently in heterosexual relationships is the woman is called too masculine. Like she's too much in her masculine and the man is not in his masculine enough. That's when you say that's something we get a lot of questions about. Yeah. Yeah. And the woman's like, well, how do I be more feminine? I'm like, it's actually not that you're not in your feminine. It's that you have a protective coping strategy because you grew up in trauma. You didn't have parents that were equipped. You were parentified at an early age. And so your safety zone is hypervigilance. Your safety zone is being in control. It has nothing to do with your masculine energy. It's a coping strategy. So instead of trying to be more feminine, do the inner child work so that you're not in that, trauma response basically, and your natural essence will just come out. And to me, that's a far more effective way to approach relationship polarity than Mm. just being like, well, how do I be more in my feminine?
1: I call it clearing the clutter of the past to, to really give you an opportunity to engage in polarity in a very clean way. And we don't always have the answers, but I will say this, when someone really does their inner work and they incorporate a lot of inner child work in that and in themselves, within themselves, what often happens is their ability to ask questions, to get curious, to be more courageous in asking for their needs and setting boundaries – in in leading in the relationship and allowing to be led, so the giving receiving component. When we look at mm-hmm. masculine feminine dynamics, we look at giving and receiving. We look at doing and being. We look at this dance. It's mm-hmm. this dance between two people that really helps them understand themselves in deeper ways and their own inner polarity as well. Right. And through relationship, it can be any relationship. It doesn't have to be romantic, but that's often more per, um, more potent. But it really supports that individual in just living a really epic life and and, and living a very connected, intimate life. You know, I I live so much of my life um, holding a fear of intimacy and and still, that still plays out in in various, you know, in in our own relationship, Mm -hmm. right? Like it pulls me back and draws me back. But what that does is it also pulls me out of my polarity. And so when it pulls me out of my polarity, what's underneath that is this wound that I experienced from a very young age. It's just asking in that moment for some attention. No, that's this is a perfect example of it's less about the the polarity and the the masculine drive or the masculine energetic that I can hold. Mm -hmm. Yes, it is about that, but what's underneath that? What's fueling the inability to be in that posture in a healthy way is that regression into uh, a childlike posturing that pulls me out of a
0: healthy masculine posture. Right. Right, I'm super blurry. Yeah, inner child. It's so it's so deep and it's so rich and it's so life changing and. I'm feeling into, into the people listening right now. And I want to speak a little more to what some of the things they may be experiencing because they have an inner child that's really calling out for attention. So this, as we've talked about, <laughs> the inner child is running the show so much of the time. So something that may be experience you be experiencing in your life is you are a bit of a people pleaser. You know, you don't have strong boundaries in your life because as a child, you decided that in order to be safe, you needed to make sure everybody else was happy. Or you may have really, really big ambitions. Like you really wanna do something, whether it's be an artist or a coach or video editor, like put yourself out there in the world. But there could have been one time when a parent or an adult or even a peer said something to you that made you feel like you weren't enough. And you do all the meditations, you do the vision boards, but there's still an inner child that doesn't believe that, you can do it, you know. That so
1: wasn't their experience. And they haven't healed exactly. from that. That part of you and your psychology and your experience hasn't healed from that.
0: Yep. Or you have a really hard time making friends because you don't trust people because either a parent betrayed you or a bullying. friend when you were younger betrayed you or like me, you experienced some bullying. And so it's really hard for you to make friends. And I, those of you listening, you might go, I know, I know, I know this all comes from my childhood. I know it, I know it, I have the awareness but what do I do? Well, and that's where we're really here to help. This is what we're so passionate about is really helping people connect to that inner child. And one of the biggest questions we get when it comes inner child work, or I guess concerns or objections is I don't remember my childhood. Mm -hmm. So I want to speak to that. I want us to speak to the whole, I don't remember my childhood. And I also want us to speak to you before we wrap up, but I don't want to go back and relive my childhood. It was awful. I want to leave the past in the Mm -hmm. past. So I don't remember my childhood doesn't matter because your subconscious mind does. You don't have to consciously remember. And you know things, you know if a parent abandoned you, you know if you were abused. Actually, you might not know if you were abused. It might come up later in your life. Repressed memories are very common when you start doing inner child work because the inner child is like, oh, wow, there's finally some attention. There's finally some safety. I actually can remember this now. Can I say something to that? Yeah, of course.
1: So as those memories may come up, This could be a deterrent for you listening to this and saying, well, I don't want to start a process exploring a child work or explore this deeper healing only for more stuff to come up that I didn't (laughs) know existed. But let me me bring you back to something. Let me bring you back to creating a safe space for yourself. Let me bring you back to the vast majority of the time as you're growing, you're also able to handle more. You're able to hold more within yourself. Your nervous system is fortifying itself. And this is the importance of regulation and resourcing yourself. This is something that we teach in a child. It's not just in a child exploration and work. Right. We, we, we support with so many different resources as well. And so as you do all that, you grow through that and you have support external and internal and life becomes very different. And that part of you that felt really lost and is like you're moving through the world. You, you mentioned this word earlier, fractured. Yeah. In a fractured way, you, you begin to feel more whole and literally yeah. you're closing the trauma loop and you're feeling more whole.
0: Well, and my... <laughs> objection to someone's objection about I don't want to stir up more shit basically it's would be, be there. it's there it's so, so there that. that's the power of the subconscious mind it is there it's, it's impacting your yeah. life and you may think well but I have a great life all right how's your anxiety level like uh, when you really sit and you're still because that's something I see yeah. people I that are busy still yeah <laughs> people that are busy are like oh I don't need to go into this like everything's fine I'm just doing 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 but actually when you stop that's when it's like, how, how are you in those moments? You constantly have to be distracted. That, that client today that you have, yeah. she's very much like that. Yeah. She's very much in her busyness I tell. to protect herself. Yep. I can tell. So know that you don't have to remember your childhood. this is all stuff we help with as well. There are so many tools. And in the, the workshop we're going to tell you about in a second, we'll be, we'll be previewing some of those tools so that you can actually start to connect that inner child because it is there. And we have, I've never had a client or anyone in our workshops who hasn't eventually been able to access their inner child. We always yeah. get there. We, we yeah. always get there. So with those two concerns, I don't remember my childhood or like, I don't want to judge up the past. You actually do remember your childhood. It's there. It's imprinted in See you. And we want to help you make the unconscious conscious so that you are more of a co-creator of your life rather than someone who's just sort of a victim of your own subconscious. And the dredging up, is actually beneficial because then you can actually deal with it and make some changes and give mm-hmm. your inner child. It's the most loving thing you can do for your inner child because mm-hmm. you saying I don't want to drudge up the past is basically saying my inner child isn't worth it.
1: Yeah, I'm going to I'm going to I want to give you a few words that uh, you you'll experience as you continue doing a child work yes. connection, intimacy, freedom, expansion, growth, love this is all joy creativity yeah this is all available like zest for life yeah it's all available to you
0: yeah so we're super excited we are we are thinking about okay what do we want to like really hang our hat on this year and athena's been a big motivator for this is really helping people with inner child oh, it should, work
1: it should also be of note that we've been doing this for well Oh, for we've many been years, doing it but- for
0: over 40 years but- Yes. bottom line we're so passionate about this work i personally feel and know and i'm so convicted about the fact that the world isn't going to change until parents change and that starts with parenting our own inner child
1: until adults heal their own yeah we got to heal our own inner
0: wound so this is not only work for you this is generational work this is work for your children your future children
1: a note on that yes you do this work without your parents doing anything if you have a strained relationship with your parents that shifts as well. Like
0: nine times out of ten. Nine times out of ten, it has massive, massive ripple. Just because effects. you're showing
1: up genuinely differently, it's it's impacting their own nervous system. We touched on this earlier. Co-regulation, obviously, we'll pick up on it again deeper into the workshops and so forth. But that's such a big
0: piece. Such a huge piece. Yeah. yeah. So join us. As I mentioned in the intro, we are hosting a th- free three-day workshop. Set
1: up free three-day, free three-day, free, free three-day
0: three day workshop. Excellent. And it's only an hour to 90 minutes a day. So it's not like days on end, but it just yeah. takes course over it's gonna be for fun. three days yeah. called Journey to Joy. And it's all about reclaiming your inner child and connecting to your authentic so self. And that's going to be happening February 6th through 8th yes. at 4 p.m. Central. And you can go to christinehasler.com slash Joy. And if you're listening to this podcast after that happens, don't worry. You can still join us for our course on really going deep into mm-hmm. inner child work that we're going to be teaching live this year over the course of 10 weeks. Fine. If you go to slash inner child,
1: I'm really excited about this workshop. This two day back to back workshop.
0: I'm so excited about it. Yeah. I am so excited about this work. I really feel like this is what I was put on the planet to do.
1: I feel the same way. It just comes so so natural yeah. to me. I like. I shouldn't say that. I've worked at it for many years, yeah. but, but it feels like that now. Like that's the beauty of you doing your own inner work as well. Yeah. If you're listening to this, is the more of that you do, the more I don't know, ease you feel in your life. And I, I don't know anyone that does want more ease in their lives. I'm not talking about healthy challenge. That's good. You have got to be challenged, but I'm talking about mm, the un- the 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 unhealthy, uncomfortable challenge. We don't need
0: that. No. And the whole like doing the same thing over and over and expecting a different result and sanity thing. No, no those patterns and loops there, there's a way to liberate yourself from all of this. So, yeah. so join us, christinehasser.com slash joy, February 6, 3. We'll see you there. I'm excited. Bye everybody.